On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio, wherever you're listening around New South Wales, the ACT. Good morning to you via Radio Network or if listening on the Tab app across the country. Hello, our panel today is Ron Duffersey, Chris Roots and David Gately. What a weekend of racing it was. We had good racing, I think, in all the states. Obviously, the Golden Rose was the feature here in New South Wales and we'll discuss and talk about that great race, the win of Militarise and Joe Marrera, the magic man in town and in full swing. We had, of course, the Underwood there in Melbourne where the Sydney form or the Alligator Blood, a Sydney horse doing good things. And Damien Oliver gets that Group 1 on the Farewell Tour, another winner as well in that combo of Ollie and, uh, of course, Gay Waterhouse. And up there in Toowoomba, we had a, a, the traditional running of a big day in Queensland, of course, with the Toowoomba Cup and the Wheatwood and a very emotional Tony Gollan winning the Wheatwood with all that pizzazz. Yellow Brick goes down by a lip and connections were pretty stunned there with Yellow Brick. So we'll talk about uh, all the racing that uh, happened over the weekend. We'll take your calls on 13.53.53 and your text messages on 0419 I'll bring Ron Duffersy straight into it. Duff, good morning to you, mate. Great weekend at uh, Rose Hill and the Magic Man. Uh, he was in full swing, as I said, on Saturday. He certainly was, Dave, and what a horse he, he's found here in Militarise. Uh, three Group 1s now, um, did it on a dry track there on Saturday, jumped out of the ground, and what an exciting prospect he is. He's a very good horse, and uh, gives every impression. Well, he's already proven it a mile, but you know, who knows, when he gets to this 2,000-metre journey, he could be a real weight for age horse. He certainly could. Uh, David Gately was on Sky Racing 1 with Andrew Martin and Brad Davidson. On Saturday, go to watching all the coverage unfold. And uh, from a, a Victorian perspective, well, Alligator Blood won the big feature down there. Yeah, he did. Good morning, team and, and punters and listeners. Uh, he, he was He's just bulletproof, isn't he, Alligator Blood? He just rides the speed and he gives his all. And he's, he's building this fabulous CV after losing his way for a little while. But the up-and-comers, uh, you know, with respect <laughs> to, uh, to Alligator Blood and the team, uh, uh, were really exciting, weren't they? Saw, uh, we obviously just mentioned Militarise. We had Stepati do uh, extraordinary things here yeah. uh, in Melbourne as well. So uh, bring on the next wave. And Chris Roach joins us from the news desk, of course, from the City Morning Herald. Chris, obviously out of these meetings, there's a lot of news to filter through. Firstly, what uh, are making headlines for you this morning, mate, before we get into reviewing the show uh, or reviewing the racing from the weekend? Um, Godolphin have confirmed that In Secret will be there running their slot with Zach Purden to ride. Um, spoke to Zach last, late last week and he's just delighted to be coming to Sydney for this race. He said he's watched the last six years. This is the first time he's been able to come and he's made it a priority to be here and now he's on the, with the Blue Army on In Secret. So that means there are only four slots left and that we're getting down, getting down to the business end of um, decision-making. I can also tell you that there's two horses that are being talked to by slot holders. One you would not guess in 100 years and is not in the markets, I don't think. And the other 
well, it was pretty obvious out of the golden rose, rosing cylinder. I think I think that there are definitely a, a action around it, and it's up to Godolphin whether they will run him, because they have always said, if he doesn't win a Group One, we won't run him. But I think after Saturday, they look at it on us on it like a yes, yes, yes run before before he won the Everest. Okay, so there's some Everest news. What other news is filtering around, mate? Um, unfortunately, for Bjorn Baker, the um, it's been it's sayonara to the Japan Cup dream. Um, Arapaho's had a temperature. He was going really well, but he's just run out of time with him, and he's, he's decided, you know, we'll put him away and wait for the autumn. The, as as they push further back into the spring, it was really hard to find a, a right race for him. So Bjorn put him in the paddock. He, if you go on to racing yourself, well, he's he's now denoted as spelling. Um, really disappointing for the Tancred winner to be. Um, he had that invitation to the Hong, to Japan and they were going to take that up. But um, unfortunately for Bjorn, he won't be in Japan and um, he'll have to wait another three or four months to we'll see Arapaho again. And in in Epsom News, I think there, there's going to be a big change to the top of the market. There's a few of these horses at the top of betting um, that might not be in the field. I don't think Fangirl's going to be there. and I, don't, I think Otsupenko's going to stay in Melbourne. So... They're, they're two of the horses at the top of betting that look like they 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 won't accept. Uh, Chris Waller will accept with uh, the two horses that have uh, have got um, exemptions in a democracy, democracy, one being Democracy, democracy Manifest. Manifest. And, um, the, and they'll also accept with Waterford after the weekend and they've booked Zach Lloyd to ride him. So Zach no Lloyd Prince. to ride Waterford. Okay. No Princess Grace. I don't think Princess Grace will be there, Duff. I think, I think they've they've got their team down to four or five. They're still sort of working it out, but I don't think you'll see some of those at the top of the market aren't going to be there. They they're um they've got other 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 goals. I think your wait for age horses will be um kept for wait for age. I think Fangirl will be in the King Charles and races like that. So I think Princess. I'm not sure what Princess Grace is doing, but she's at Mount Macedon as well. So I think she'll probably stay in Melbourne. All right, so just looking at to firstly those all-in markets that Chris touched on there because we, we'll chat about the Epson uh, a little bit later on, but the Tab Epson market uh, has Fangirl currently $6 equal favourite with Pericles there at $6, so and then Ozapenko at $8. So if both of those horses aren't there, Chris, that will change this market dramatically. And you mentioned Waterford. Um, so Waterford is currently $26, and if we know it's definitely going, and Zach Lloyd to ride. Okay, so uh, that market may change all in, and just buyer beware there. Um, yeah, just... and also if those two horses, just be be careful, because they could, they, could, they could change their mind. But that's the, that's, as I understand it, that's where they're at at the moment. Like, it's, it's one of those things that it's a moving feast with some of these races. They, they have a look at them and see where, where, where they w- want to be. But I think that's the... That's that's the feeling at the moment, and um, we'll we'll find out in the next um, next twenty four hours what's actually going to be in these races. But it's important to know those sort of things. All right, uh, we've got a caller on the line. I think is no, we don't have no thirteen fifty three fifty three is the open line number. Let's get and discuss the Golden Rose before we hear the thoughts of Duff Gator and Chris. I want you to hear this, punters. This was Joe Marrera discussing his ride yesterday on Militarise with the team from Thoroughbred Weekly. Fortunately, horses around him just squeezed him at the start. He stumbled. Luckily, he was able to just uh, find his, his balance quickly and put himself behind the filly. 
uh, at this stage of the race, I was happy where I was. I was comfortable. He, he was traveling nice for me. But there is a part of the track where uh, the, where there is a bit of a giving on it. I mean, like um, a lot of kickback comes yeah. in the horse's face. And from there on, as you can see, I, I had to start niggle him to make sure that he's keep his mind on the job. And I think that's the combination of think of Chris deciding to put the blinkers on him because he can come off the beat in some certain stage of the race. Um, when we were approaching to the home turn, I started sweating because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get the split. Did, uh, did he travel like he, I know in his previous races, he really travels up underneath you, but was he travelling like the winner yesterday? Did he give you that feel mid-race? To be honest, no. Yeah. And that is a good thing think about it. He wasn't travelling as well as you would think that as a horse is travelling to win the race. Yep. But still let down like a winner. Yeah. You know, as long as he gets a clear run, he just dashes home. And the good thing about it I was just trying to say is usually horses like that likes to run longer distance. Yeah. So here I was in trouble because I was kind of uh, in a box seat, not able to get into the clear. I have horses around me. I had to make contact with some other horses to just try to get my, my, my room. And then eventually the room came through. He just dashes home like a, a superstar, as I said. Uh, sometimes good horses have to make it tough. And he found it that way yesterday and didn't let us down. So I'm very, very pleased and proud of being his rider yesterday. But yesterday's win... Like the last 25 metres, he just jumped out the ground. But the best thing for me is, like, his, his big wins have been on heavy tracks or wet tracks. And that was always the question mark, whether he could go on the dry track and let down like he has. But he's just, he's just ticked another box, basically. Yeah, so uh, I think track is not going to be an issue and it's not something that they have to be thinking too much about. Fascinating insight there from Joe Marrero yesterday, Duff. Uh, he summed it up beautifully talking to you guys. That was from Thoroughbred Weekly. On Sky Thoroughbred Central, we've heard from Joe. What did you make of the performance stuff? And I guess hearing him there, uh, do you want to be on him in Cox Plates? Do you want to be on him in these, you know, uh, can he take that next step, do you feel? He'll answer that question in the Caulfield Guineas, I'd say. Um, There's a couple of nice Cox Plate-looking three-year-olds there in him and uh, King Colorado. Um, But firstly on Joe, what... What a superstar. He's, he's, you know, I've never met the bloke until yesterday, but he's so grounded and, and, and he's got presence. He's a real gentleman. And I've never seen so much staff at Sky of a Sunday morning, only because they wanted to get a look at Joe and maybe get a photo or an autograph or whatever. But he, that's the type of bloke he is. He's a worldwide superstar and he's, um, he's just... There's no big head about him at all. Uh, the horse in general is a ripper. His, his record now speaks for itself. He's proven it too. He's come back at three. Um, he come from, I don't know, he couldn't win. Everyone didn't even know he was in the finish because we all had our eyes on, you know, probably end cap and cylinder thinking the race is all over between them. And this horse just, just jumped out of the ground and was superb. End uh, cap, a, a great ride by Gibbons. He, 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 he pulled one up on Nash early. He found the right spot. He presented him at the right time, and he's just a—he's done a great job. That horse um, in cap, and he's, he, you know, he's already won a race this prep, but it could have been so much more. Cylinder, yep, you could go back and sulk and think maybe, yeah, he sh- maybe could have won that race. Uh, just didn't go right for a couple of strides after he jumped so well and had the advantage there. 
Charmstone, Moravia didn't get much luck down the straight. King Colorado lost the speed of the race once further. Shinzo pulled up lame and was very green in the run. Um, we know he's better than that. But all honours, uh, I'd suggest, even though the cylinders supporters might not agree that are with the winner militarised. From first to last, it was five and a half lengths. Let's, before we get to Gator and his review of the Golden Rose, hear what the beaten jockeys had to say. Dylan Gibbons and Cap. Not allowed to swear, am I? <laughs> no, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. He's gone enormous. Shame to get beat that close. Nash Trawilla, cylinder. I thought you meant great. Um, oh, oh, the way I jumped, I thought I would have been able to sort of find a spot one off, but they sort of really were able to kick up inside me and didn't really get the spot I wanted. This cost us a rest. Ryan Maloney, Butch Cassidy. Yeah, very honest again. Um, Barry played a pivotal role there. I just think he gets the breaks. He's um, only been the length and half today. I couldn't see why he couldn't go a few better. Damien Lane, Charmstone. She ran really well. Uh, she just twelve at the start of touch. Got a little hot mid-race, just held up at a crucial, crucial stage, but um, she's a young horse who's, who's going to improve out of the run. Tyler Schiller, Moravia. Yeah, unlucky run of the race. Um, had no luck, but uh, hopefully next up. Jason Collett, King Colorado. Yeah, he's he's run good. Probably found that just a bit sharp, the 1,400 on, on, a, on a good deck. Um, further and probably softer ground too. Tim Clark, Don Corleone. Yeah, he ran honestly and wasn't beaten far. Sam Clifford and Snapback. Yeah, he ran a creditable race from the front. Um, gave a good kick and just got a bit tired that last 100. Zach Lloyd Nadal. I thought he acquitted himself well. He, um, I think he might, after that, just be suited to a fast 1,200 metres. I think the 14 may have just seen him out. Karen McAvoy, general salute. Nice trip. Just he hung left again, um, so he's he's uh, he might be going to get something cut out. <laughs> There's Kira McAvoy chatting with Chantel Buckley. All right, Gator. We hear from the jockeys. We hear from Joe Marrera. Obviously, militarised. Uh, what uh, type of info came out of this race from a time perspective? Yeah, look, they've run a really good time relative to Group One three-year-old average, which is a pretty good um, you know benchmark to work off. I think. Uh, about three lengths above Group 1 average, 47.8 first 800. So certainly no loafing by any stretch of the imagination. A good solid speed. Didn't stop the winner. Still running two and a half lengths above Group 1 standard overall time. Just under a length and a half above. So uh, despite the busy finish, um, you know, a lot of substance uh, on the clock. Um, and, you know, when we see busy finishes, there's, there's really only two conclusions. Either they're all average or they're all good. So... Um, I'm thinking it's the latter this time. Very much so. Uh, what uh, came out of the Shinzo uh, run, Chris, from a news perspective? Obviously, we didn't hear from Ryan Moore um, after. He um, provided no comment. Um, obviously, we know that uh, the horse is was lame afterwards, but have you spoken to Coolmore or anyone from the team in the last 24 hours? So, uh, two and five lame after the run, Looks like it might be a heel rather than anything more serious. That might have been might have been just just feeling it a bit. They're going to have a look at him over the next week and work out where he's at. And you know, I guess it's, it's one of those things. When you look at his times, he's actually run the second fastest last six last eight hundred in the race compared to the winner. He's actually got so far back and out of his ground, he he couldn't possibly get into the race. Did he? And he did knock up. Chris Waller made the point. He did knock up in the last hundred. So. You know, jury really out. Um, Cornwall's still got an Everest slot. They can uh, do they roll the dice with him? That that'll that'll be a decision made on how the horse is in a couple of days. Uh, and if they don't go with him, they've got to find someone. So 
really, we'll just it's a it's a watching brief with Shinzo now. Um, another, uh, but I don't personally. I don't think when you look at it, put everything into perspective. He he he's been beaten on a long way, and people who backed him would be very disappointed. But he's um, he's he's actually gone okay out of the race. Nash Wheeler was a victim of his horse jumping too well. He he jumped half a length clear cylinder, and then. Um, he could have pushed on and tried to get to the front, but he wanted to find cover and went to go and find cover. And everywhere he went, he had a he had a big X on his back, and no one was going to let him in. So he ended up three wide the trip. He was mighty, wasn't he? He was really good. He actually dragged militarized into the race, and then militarized. Well, it's a three-time Group One winner and might be the most underrated horse in the country. Usually, with a performance like that, you'd be you wouldn't be still thirteen dollars in a cox plate if he. If he gets there, he, he's, he'll start a lot shorter because he would have won a Caulfield Giddies along the way. I can't wait to see him up against Stepardi. He was he was special in Melbourne. So um, we've got a lot to look forward to. And um, I think, as Gator said, they're a very, very good group of three-year-olds. Don't underestimate them in any races they go in against the older horses, even in the spring. So that was one thing I was going to say about uh, Nash. I saw him copying some criticism on uh, social media. Uh, but I think he was just a victim of his own, of, of the, not of his own horse, Duff, as uh, Chris alluded to. He just jumped probably better than what he thought he was going to jump. Uh, yeah, I think it was a, a great tactical move for him to jump well. I thought uh, he made a mistake. He, he, he got lazy after he jumped well. He one more dig in the ribs for three more strides he does get across. And then I think he will would have got cover from maybe a Butch Cassidy or something like that. So it's, it's easy in retrospect doing replays. But it was advantage Nash after that quick start. And he was there, but he hesitated. And that's when Gibbons, Gibbons says, no, nah, he would have given him a yell, I'm still here, I'm still here. And Nash wouldn't have obviously wanted to knock him down. Uh, but I reckon if he was a little bit more aggressive, he would have found that one, one-off running line and it would have been a real contest. So that's mm. just personally. Is that just a, think he he is, just got lazy. Do you think that's got... a change in him? Because we've seen Nash make moves before. Um, but I spoke to him, what, a couple of months ago. He said, mate, I really want to win this Sydney Premiership. Has he changed, not the uh, the mindset of him, but has he just sort of maybe thought, I'll come back a bit here and not be as aggressive? Because maybe the Nash 12 months ago that was finding himself in Stewart's rooms, you know, a lot more, might have been more, you know, keen to get in the running line, so to speak. Oh, no, no, I, I, I disagree. I, I think okay. he it was just a split-second decision that didn't happen. You know, it's one of those split-second decisions of... Okay, this thing, these things are going to kick up underneath me here, uh, and, and a lot nine and a half times out of ten, when you're a bare length clear, the jockey inside you will probably just come back a little bit and say, "Okay, I'm happy to follow cylinder," but it didn't happen. Uh, they they may have just got a little. He may have just steadied a bit soon, and the horses behind got a little keen. And so they, they they've just hunted up underneath him. So I, I just think it was a, a split second. Uh, probably 20 metres too soon of trying to relax Cylinder rather than get across and then relax him. Duff, you've ridden, Duff, you've ridden, and a lot, a lot of us, a lot of us are grandstand jockeys and things like that. But when you go out with a mindset that you're going to try and get one off and follow a horse, can that play into that that decision that you make in the, at that point? Like, is it something you, you you're thinking, well, this is where I want to be, and it just it just it just 
crowds you're thinking a little bit rather than digging you just you just want to take a take a little bit of a hold in that situation uh yeah look i think most jockeys in especially in big races know what they're following uh, these days, and they know what they want to follow. They know when they want to get off their backs or stay on their backs if they're uh, and um, make their moves from there. It's all tactical, and and I suppose you know I'm not being critical covering ground there on Saturday. It wasn't a complete disadvantage because uh, Nash sat three and four deep, no cover and peace officer, and got him home. And and there was a couple others on the day that uh, just covered that little bit of ground, but. Um, so it wasn't. It was a very fair track, and sometimes you've got to ride your horse how they're balanced, and that's exactly what he did with Cylinder. So I'm not saying, oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. You know, he, he had to cover ground, no cover, because it, it was one of those tracks where you could get into a rhythm and uh, just cover that little bit of ground as well. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Post Mortem. It is Ron Doversy, Chris Roots and David Gately and we're taking your calls. The phone lines are open. 13.53.53. If you have uh, anything you want to discuss with our panel, you can. Let's talk about uh, the Underwood uh, Gator. Obviously, Alligator Blood was sensational down there at Caulfield. Yeah, look, he was... Uh, yeah, look, wouldn't have gone with sensational, but, um, you know, each uh, each opinion's uh, relevant and has merit. It was a good, solid win, wasn't it? Beat Tuvalu, who's you know, a handy horse. Um, not those that back in the field had a tough day at Caulfield, and he was up riding a moderate speed, certainly by Group 1 standard, about three lengths below his overall time. Been a theme for Group 1 racing in Melbourne, uh, below average three and a half lengths this time. But, um, you look, know, a really good um, elite racehorse. Um, everything couldn't have panned out much better. Sulker missed the start without a fight, got lost. And um, those in the market... Um, uh, you know, the, that were with him in the market were uh, had had a myriad of excuses and attrition, one of those as well. So, um, yeah, good, solid stuff. Again, when they win and your money goes in your account, they're sensational. It doesn't matter where they um, are. Yeah. Tokyo City Kiva, they're good. Um, let's hear from uh, Damien Oliver, uh, this audio courtesy of racing.com. Moment you were hoping would happen in the farewell tour. Yeah, you never know. <clears throat> if that opportunity is going to come, it's unfortunate through Tim's accident. He's fallen. He's on the recovery now, which is great to see that I was able to pick up this horse. But he's his horse, and I'm happy just to fill in for him um, while he's making his way back. You had a brief moment with Gay just before we spoke, and your words were that her words were ringing in your ears. Take us inside what the words were and when they were ringing. Yeah, she was adamant. She wanted him to lead. Um, but I just felt on his back today, he was a little bit quieter in the seven-day back up, and he just wasn't as sharp from the gates today. There was a few others a bit quicker than him, and they crossed him pretty sharply. And um, you know, I just had to wait and hold my nerve a little bit till they settled, and then I was able to go up outside the lead. But um, you know, a great effort from a horse. And we know how tough and resilient this horse has been over a long period of time. He's he's had some injuries to overcome, and he gutsed it out very tough today, particularly when the leader, you know, probably sucked a fair bit of sprint out of them too. He had to take it up and a fair way out, and he held them off really strongly. Your two previous winners of this race went on to obviously run so well in Cox Plates, normally winning it. Russian Camelot was really admirable in running a placing in 2020. Where do you feel like Alligator Blood is right now in the mix of our wait for age horses heading towards a Cox Plate? Well, I mean, he's proven all along he's right up there with them and you would never underestimate him. He's such a tough, um, consistent horse um, that whatever he runs in, you know he's going to give you his best. 
thirteen dollars a year. All in for a Cox Plate Alligator Blood. And before we um, discuss some of the other runners in the race, here's what the beaten jockeys had to say in their Group One in Melbourne. Billy Egan, Van de Clare. Yeah, he started to warm up late. Uh, he seems very bright, but uh, he's he's going in the right direction. Jamie Carr, Tuvalu. He's an awesome horse. He tries so hard. He had to do a bit of work though, so he felt the pinch late. But awesome run. McD, Luna Flair. Uh, would have liked to have seen her do a little bit more through the line, but she's never liked Caulfield, so we'll get a better guide when she goes to Flemington. Mark Zara without a fight. Yeah, look, he ran really well. He's just a bit further now. Caught for a couple of his races here. Deck Bates, Alan Kerr. Yeah, ran well. He'll improve from that first up run. Wasn't the plan to lead like that, but sort of just wide early. I let him roll forward, and he was there for a long time and got a bit tired late, but he'll improve from the, from the run. Jamie Mott, Mawunga. Yeah, look, he had a good run from a wide gate. Um, Travelled great. Just didn't finish off today. Harry Coffey, non-conformist. Yeah, good run. I thought he rounded off the race well. He was left a little bit flat-footed when the pressure came on, but he continued to his task well, and I was happy with uh, how he finished off, yeah. John McNeil, Bankmore. Yeah, he raced well. Obviously had a good draw and um, probably looking for 2,000 now. Johnny Allen, smoking Romans. Yeah, he was okay. Um, we got a bit of a squeeze out of the gates, which probably put us out of play a little bit early, but um, thought he stuck to his guns okay. There's plenty of improvement to him yet. Ben Allen, right you are. Uh, super run. Uh, he's a little bit casual today without the, the visors on, but holding up to 2,000 next start, visors on, he'll be right there. Hugh Bowman, Lindemann. He settled well from the mile, and I thought he was entitled to do a little more. Benny Mellum, attrition. He had the draw against him today. We went back, and they just dragged the speed out of him from a long way out. I think a, a good barrier is sort of crucial to his chances, and maybe a set of blinkers, but he was a little bit disappointing for, for what he is. Cheers. Craig Williams, Stuart. Well, we usually say um, look for a red flashing light, but I'm pretty sure she was the orange flashing light. Um, her trainer, Ed Cummings, was very happy with the way she's going, and she showed that today on the racetrack. Blake Shin, Sulcum. Yeah, super, guys. Um, look, he, he missed the start again, like he does. Travelled nice. Um, aside from that, got him out the 600, built him up. But obviously the first two had a nice time and they will genuine wait for age horses. But look, look, all in all, he's proven that he's up to wait for age. Uh, can only improve when he gets over further. So if he heads to a Caulfield Cup, uh, look out. Yeah, that was the beaten jockeys, what they had to say after the Underwood on Saturday. That audio courtesy of racing.com. We heard then from Craig Williams, uh, Duff. No doubt you would have been keeping an eye on Sydney, but also the Sydney horses in Melbourne and Jewess was uh, exceptional there at Caulfield. I backed her on Saturday with a 30 to 1 they put up. I just thought it was ridiculous odds. And I thought she went enormous. Uh, um, The winner's a great horse. He just keeps delivering uh, prep every prep but uh, as far as going forward I think obviously the, the eye catches there where outside of Jewess would definitely sulk him when he gets to a big track and without a fight well that was the run he had to have going forward. And interesting to hear Mark Zara say Caulfield Cup is his race. Um, it'd be pretty happy with that uh, as we just uh, said Chris. Yeah he would be and um realistically it was a wait for a it was run like a wait for age race wasn't it they 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 held up and then you had to be the, have the best turn of foot, and that's what Alligator Bad had positioned and the best turn of foot and won the race. Like worked out like most punters that would have wanted. I thought Jewess was unbelievable. She's she's right on target. Wherever he goes with her, I think he's going to stay in Melbourne. I think Modern Power Stakes is high on the um, high on the agenda there, and then maybe the Cups. 
it's going to be it's going to be right in the race. It's just let's just hope he can hold it together because she, we haven't seen the best of her mainly because she keeps just getting a niggle or something at the wrong time. The disobeying instructions won that race. Um, Gay lead at all cost. Ollie just a little bit smart, um, saying, "Okay, let the hundred and fifty to one chance go because if I go out and attack it." My main dangers are these stayers out the back, Sulkham without a fight, Jewess, and he just played beautifully into the, his hands, I, I thought. And so disobeying instructions was a winning move. <laughs> and, and the other thing with it, Dap, was that if, if he goes to the front, there's probably horses that are going to go and put pressure to him as well. Exactly. So um, by, by just sitting back, no one could go up and put him in a pocket or anything. They, they didn't have that ability to put pressure to him. And he just, he just dropped his head and... You know, eighteen hundred. I reckon that's his sweet spot. Spot. He can he can run a strong mile, but that sort of race over eighteen hundred, he's almost unbeatable when it's run like that. Yeah, adaptability is his sweet spot. He leads or just takes a sit off the lead and then pours the pressure on. He's just a ripping horse. Let's stay uh, south at uh, nine thirty-seven. You're on Punters Post Warden with Ron Doversy, Chris Roots, and David Gately. Only because the boys have mentioned this horse before. We talked about Militarise winning the Golden Rose and and. Uh, on that path of uh, a great crop of three-year-olds. Well, what about this Sepati? Um, Sepati. Gator in the run, um, it looked like it had no chance whatsoever. No, it's a fair call, especially given, um, you know, outside of his race and that, that benchmark 12 or whatever that first race is now, that, that, that horse swooped from the back. You really had to be right up there and inside. Um, and he was there three wide, no cover mostly. Um, he, he was clear to the outside, sort of spotted him five or six lengths still. And if you're if you're in the run, what are you what are you sixty to one probably from that point? But surges late to arrive. Um, he has shown great change up speed in wins with weight as a younger horse. But that will to win on Saturday was was uh, something to to like. Um, well, more than like. Um, I think she like was every bit as good as him. Uh, he just couldn't hook out at, at such a key stage. It's cost him the race, I think, taking nothing away from the winner, but he came home 10.92, the fastest of any horse all day. Well, he was uh, visually unbelievable to watch, Duff. Uh, yes, yeah, he throws that real X factor with uh, with a record uh, that he's got now. So um, come the 14th of October, we're going to have some amazing races, Sydney, Melbourne. There's no doubt it's going to be one of the the race days of the year mm. or it will be the race day of the year uh, because eyes will be everywhere with the uh, the clashes that we're going to get but the unbeaten factor is always an X factor isn't it with Stepati they find a way but it'll be interesting to see um, what happens on you know when militarives arrives on the scene Chris just a comment before we jump back to our first caller yeah, I, I, I wasn't a believer before Saturday, and I'm a believer now that he's going to have to be something to beat militarised in a Caulfield Guineas. I know that, and what he might provide Sydney punters is um, a bit better price about militarised. Yeah, um, trip away though, you know, home tracker. So it's um, you got to weigh gr- all that up. It's a great betting race. Like that's just going to be one of the races. Like you, like you said, Duff, that day that. Uh, has been created by Melbourne Racing Club with the traditional day and now the way they've built up Everest Day and put that King Charles on there. You won't find a better race race day anywhere in the world. No. Let's get to our first caller. Dave's on the line and our phone lines are open, 13.53.53, if you want to get involved with the show. Dave, what have you got for us? Uh, 
um, boys, I just like to talk about weight for age racing, and you don't want to be looking too much through rose-coloured glasses. Um, and I'm just wondering whether it's the introduction of the banning of steroids that's made the situation like this, but especially the mid-distance and distance racing, I just... Do you guys ever talk amongst the the lack of quality in the Saintlies, the Northerlies, the Dulcifies, et cetera, et cetera? Why is it so that our, our distance weight for age racing is, is second rate? Well, it all depends on the year that you've got. So, you know, we can always go back through history, and I think you made a good point uh, with the steroid years. Um, you know, it does help those cults, and then you can talk about the weight for age scale, where the fillies being dominant in weight for age is more so since the steroid days than uh, it was then. And uh, do we have to revise that weight for age scale as well? So look, it's it's all relative to what you have in front of you at the moment. I'd uh, look, I'd be keen to see some more three-year-olds at this time of year just have a little crack and and measure up these uh, so-called weight for age horses, but. Uh, they're still hard races to win. They're still hard races to win. Thank you for your call, Dave. Um, we've got a couple more callers coming in, so we'll get to them shortly. Just on the Golden Pendant, boys, we'll jump back up to Sydney. Uh, Espiona was uh, sensational in the Golden Pendant. Um, Duff, do you think she should find herself, or do you think she deserves a spot, or consideration at least, in a Tab Everest? She's much maligned, but she's a terrific filly, a mare, and with a great turn of speed when things fall for her. She's a mare that has to draw a barrier, and I thought, if you want to judge her on Saturday's performance, she deserves a slot. Do you think she'll get a spot, Chris Roots? I think she's made Chris Waller a believer after Saturday. Now, her head carriage is interesting. Like she, We all see that she holds her head on the side, but she just goes just as fast, like... Um, but when she straightened up on Saturday, she 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 almost dropped another year. So the, she's still a work in progress. But she's she's just belting these mares, and she ran in the sunshine in Paris, and probably probably gave gave away a little bit of advantage there. I think she's every bit, bit as good as her. And Chris has always said that his first option is to run one of his own. So um, they'll be having meetings this week, I'm sure. Liam Pryor and the team there, and they'll 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 come up with what they think's the best best option but I think a lot of these slot holders might wait until after the weekend like you you'll have to you have to see what happens in the premiere and and races in Melbourne as well um that's going to be the lot now that you're at this point you might as well wait and see if, if something bobs up you don't want to be taking a horse to where you where you're um you might be able to get something else that's riding for what did you make of her uh Gator? yeah she runs really fast so um, 32.7 last 600, fastest of the day again. Um, I would like her to see her run gun barrel straight, uh, but if Chris Waller can't get her to do it, no one can. So that's just that. So uh, I've been a believer since the start, and um, she could win anything, that, that girl. Let's get to Lance. G'day, Lance. How are you, boys? Very good, mate. What's your question for the panel? Mate, I've got a long shot... Uh, idea. I don't think Waller's going to run militarised in the Caulfield Guineas. I think he's going to run him in the King Charles. And I'll tell you why. He didn't commit when uh, Radley asked him on Saturday. He said, I I would say so. And then in Thoroughbred Weekly, 
when Greg Radley was talking to Jared Marira, he he said he hasn't confirmed which race he's going to run it. Now, if you look at his pattern of racing last season, he, he ran in the sliver where he got knocked over. He then came out and won the Sires over 1,400 and then won the uh, Champion Stakes over 1,600, both in the wet. I think there's a chance that October 14th in Sydney is going to be wet. I've had a look at the uh, long-range forecast, and I think that would suit militarised better. He's, he's done everything he needs to do. He's won two Group 1s as a two-year-old, and he won the Golden Rose last week. So, sire-wise, why would he go for a $3 million race in Caulfield on a track is notorious for first up horses having difficulty with when he's on the same track, same distance at Randwick over 1,600 uh, that he's won on before for 5 million. And Waller would be delighted to be the first winner of the King Charles. That's my thinking. You make a good case, Lance. How much have you had on? Well, the, that's the good part because the King Charles is now still pre-knocked at 15 and 4.50 last night. The Caulfield Guineas is all in. Jeez, you're making a very strong case. Yes. Lance, geez, no one's going to argue with that. It's no. a very, very strong case you're making for a little snip, snip at the betting anyway. A free bet there. You're getting a free bet. And if he does everything you say is makes a lot of sense. A so, lot of sense. Certainly does. Well, Chris, you highlighted this, uh, what was it, three or four weeks ago. It might have been three weeks ago. Uh, you said that there'll be a number of trainers now looking at this King Charles um, which in the old, well, in the 90s, that George Main was dominated, wasn't it, by by three-year-olds? And it's actually better suited nowadays because later in the, it's a month, almost a month later. So what used to happen, for anyone who doesn't realise, there used to be the Golden Rose early September and this race would be the end of September, so the weekend, weekend before the Epson. And it was a chance for the three-year-olds, they would have had a run in the Golden Rose, then they'd go to Newcastle, run in the Spring Mart, the Spring Stakes, and then into this, into that race. And some very good horses won it. But with the move back and the move back of the Golden Rose, it just makes more sense. They've got three weeks from the Golden Rose into it. It's it's almost the perfect setup to go to a mile with a three-year-old that's a, a very good three-year-old. So he's make he makes a great case, doesn't he? But second dressing Chris Waller, I think um, I know Joe's book for the day whether he's in Sydney or Melbourne, will, will, will be decided by where militarised is. And um, I don't think you'll see Joe not on militarised from now on in. So if he was to make it to a Cox Plate, I think Joe will be back for the Cox Plate. Well, he could ride him in the Cox Plate with the weight, couldn't he? And he could yeah, also yeah. ride him at the weight for age scale in the King Charles, couldn't he? Yeah. He, yeah. I, geez, I'd love to see it. I'm, I'm, I was so happy to hear... I think it was Gary Portelli say, I want to run in cap in it. 
Now, mm. I, ever since, obviously, King Colorado and the Wing Stakes running so well, now this is a great opportunity yes. to try these three, or one of these good three-year-olds here, just to show up the weight, the older weight for age horses. I know it's not easy with your Mr. Brightside's flying and uh, light infantry's there and your fangirls, but, geez, I think there's an opportunity, and especially for a horse like NCAP, who... Um, is going so well and, you know, he's probably better here than going and taking on militarise in Melbourne. I think it's, 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 a, it's a throw at the stumps that could really come off in, in a race like this. The other thing is the flight this weekend. After The winner of the flight would have to have a look at that race because, mm. because we've seen that in the past. The flight winner's gone and won a spring champion. Well, you know, if you're a good milo, and it's going to be the finish of your preparation because most of these fillies have been up a long time, so they're not going to make it through the thousand guineas in a month and a half time. So that that could be their last their last throw at the stumps too. So don't be surprised if there's a couple of three year olds that come out of Saturday and go to and go to that race as well, even out of the dulcify. Lance has got fans. Uh, that horse has just gone um, fifteen to eleven dollars and thirteen hundred. Tim Ryan just sent me a text message saying thirteen hundred out of militarise at fifteen now eleven dollars plenty listening. Yeah, well, it's a free bet. Yeah, it is a free bet too with the pre norms. Uh, the other thing, up with it, if, if it is going to be wet, they could nominate in Sydney and not uh, and and wait and see what the track's going to be like. So just be careful with that as well. Exactly right. Um, and then, I guess, uh, that race... See, the other thing, too, um, and this is the thing, we don't really know what's happening with Amelia's Juliet because there's options on the table for her. Are you hearing anything, Chris, along the, the grapevine? It'll be very interesting to see what happens with the Turak and what weight she gets. You'd, you'd think she's going to get in well in the Turak. Like, um, they'll, they'll make it attractive for her to stay, I'd say. We've seen that in the past with um, horses that you know, get into these races and that's a handicap, so it's objective. So the, the, the weight, it'll be interesting to see what weight they give a horse that's won at weight for age and 1,800 metres as a three-year-old filly into a into a Turak. You know, you, you, there's a comparison there with Tafane when it ran second, I think. It ran 58 and a half, but that's two kilos more. So you'd think 56, 56 and a half should be the mark. We'll, we'll see what the handicapper does there. She galloped at the valley this morning, if she scoots around the valley in the stock stakes and really loves it, you know, the, there is that $5 million race, but they come here, they've got a $5 million race and a $10 million race. So she's one that, um, another one that at $9 could be a, a, another free bet for people who, because if she's not coming to Sydney, I don't think they'll nominate her for the King Charles. I noticed King Colorado's 50s into 15s in that King Charles as well. He's the, obviously the three-year-old factor there as well. Yes, uh, that's right. I'm just uh, getting some more text here from Timmy Ryan. So, yeah, plenty of activity going on those all-in markets. I and mean, we've got callers here. Let's get to Chris. Thank you, Lance. He might go into punters' postmodern fo- uh, folklore with that call. Give him a hat. I tell you what, you'll get more than a hat because he was very well. I like it when there's that. That's the beauty of punting or the art of that long-range punting. Thinking about all aspects. And did he what? He had every aspect covered there. Uh, Chris is on the line. G'day, Chris. G'day, guys. Yeah, Lance has got me thinking. Um, I wanted to ring you guys up because I rang you at this time last year about the three-year-olds in the Everest because none of them had a spot. And I remember you, Duff, saying, I like three-year-olds in this race. And I said, who do you think are the most obvious choices for it? And I think you said, and 
I think the consensus was Sir Jarden and in secret. And, of course, it turned out to be the winner, Giga Kick, and Jackano, who ran fifth, I think, in the race. So my question is this year, based on last year and based on yes, 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 how many three-year-olds do you think will line up in the Everest this year? I don't know. Someone's got to have a crack with different form because you pick these older horses that you know are only... You're picking horses to run fifth or sixth. Uh, they're a length or two off the top liner. So I I don't know. I, I was a big King's Gambit fan, and every, everyone's just dropped off him off, off one run down the straight. I thought he was an ideal Everest horse. I, I wouldn't be against Charmstone. I wouldn't be... Oh, obviously, Scylla would be a great addition. Um, they're the, probably the, the, the three... Well, obviously, we had... Uh, osmosis win. Yeah. Just lacks a bit of experience and uh, no 1200 metre form, but does have an X factor and can run time. So, you know, your King's Gambit, your Charmstones, um, your Osmosis, they're, they're, they're on the list, uh, but uh, there's got to be a three or one or two of them get there, but I suppose there mightn't be. We'll see what happens. Duff, you were doing the trials last week and uh, you missed it, but we were talking about. Obviously, the runs to come out of the shorts, and uh, we had that run of Bonner's Notches, and Gator said last week, geez, well, I've backed Bonner's Notches. I hope he gets a spot, and then bang, out uh, comes last Friday that uh, Bonner's Notches will run for the tab. So, well done, Gator. You've, you're in the field. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got to, I think we've got to run for our money, and I think um, a, a live uh, winning hope. Uh, yeah, uh, he'd be my top pick if the race was tomorrow. Gator, if he win, if he wins, you'll be paying for the punters punters um, post mortem Christmas party. Yeah, that's cool. I'm happy with that. So McDonald's up here uh, near me <laughs> has heaps of seats available, so we can head there. And just just on that uh, Kiwi mare, will she be running in the race, or is that all just smoke and mirrors, Chris? Imperatrice. Well, I think it'd come down to them getting the offer they want. I think it's very surprising is, a Kiwi knocking back money. Um, it's it bucks the trend, so I think it's great. I think I think they want too much money. That's what the no, problem is. The problem. It's yeah. Not, yeah, it's not it's not it's not them knocking back money. They they've got a, they've got a price <laughs> on their head that's um that's that she'd have that to win for it. anyone to get, make any profit. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, and they, and they want to and they want to and they they they're marketing her as if she's a dollar a dollar eighty chance. She's going to be. Right. She's going to be six or seven dollars in the race. She mm. she won't she won't start favourite. No, uh, and just I guess uh, on her as uh, so. What would you say then, percentage wise? Do you think it's very unlikely? Very very unlikely. Um, yeah, it's got to be ninety five percent. No, then, mm. no. I think I think that everyone's looking in different directions. I think Kings Gambit could be in um, could be in the um, in the mix mix still if he tries tomorrow and. You know, someone might pick him up because the, that slipper form looks okay. And don't, I don't think you mentioned Shinzo there. He's still there. Um, yes. I just texted Henry Field about um, about uh, Middlesbrough. I asking me, is there any chance of running the King Charles? And he just come back with a, a two-letter answer. No. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll wait and see what happens uh, with, uh, obviously, militarise and uh, how that all unfolds. Um, just a, a couple of texts to the text line here before we get to John is on the line. Just on Ryan Moore, um, obviously, he didn't make comment uh, about uh, Shinzo after the running, and there was some chat about it I saw on social media about, uh, you know, that that was um, disrespectful to the punter. 
Uh, how do we, as three gentlemen, sit with uh, Ryan not making comment? And how did that unfold, Chris? Well, I wasn't in there, so I don't know how it unfolds. Ryan probably just walks past and doesn't make comment. But in the end, Ryan Moore's, and this is where it's a lot different in Australia to everywhere else, Ryan Moore is retained by Coolmore and is Coolmore's retained rider. So his first and foremost thing is to the people who run Coolmore, not to, and it's a different world in Europe and it's not to the partner. And they don't have microphones um, every jockey, you know, standing there and get a comment. So, um, if he wants to, if he wants to talk to Coolmore first and make sure that he talks to Tom and talks to everyone who who pay his wages, um, that's Ryan's Ryan's choice. And you know, it's a different world. We can't um, hold. Yeah, you got to understand that it, it is a different world for him. He he's on a big retainer to ride for Coolmore. And he's got to talk to, the, to he, he he takes his his orders from them and how they are. He's not like a a jockey here who might be riding for Chris Waller one day, John O'Shea the next, um, Godolphin the next. You know, they it's a, a different world, and that's that's the thing. And I, you know, with that horse, I don't have a problem with it. Other horses, it might be a different story. Duff, any comment? Gator, any comment? No, no. Look, it's. We've been talking about Ryan Moore for 20 years. He's done the same thing for 20 years. So what's, a, what's the big hullabaloo for this week? It's the same. Every, it's been the same every week for 20 years. Uh, that's just yeah. him. That's his personality. Good luck to him. Uh, enjoy it. You know, he doesn't have to promote himself. Um, other jockeys do have to promote themselves. He's, he's a tried and true performer. No one's ridden any more group ones than him. He, he, he doesn't need to answer to the press and if he doesn't want to. So good luck to him. Um, he doesn't want press, we won't give it to him. <laughs> no. Yeah, couldn't agree more, Duff. He can't just change people because it, it suits you. It's just, it's just how he is. So um, get over it, humans. Yep. John's on the line. Morning, John. Good morning, fellas. Look, uh, before I get on the gator about two horses, it's the King Charles, the George Main. Yes. Yep. Why do they change the names, you know, about that? Duff have been on about it for years. Anyway, um, David, um, attrition. Um, I heard you say it was disadvantaged in the race, but I was disturbed by the fact that the rider said it was disappointing because I thought it had great form coming into that race. Yeah, look, there's no, uh, there's no way, there's no um, avenue I can take to say it was a good run. <laughs> I mean, he went back on a day. It was tough to go back, sure, but he's beaten 7.7 lengths. He didn't really hit the line. So it was nothing short of disappointing, even if you factor everything into it. You know, the fact that um, not much sort of ran on in the race. But even what you still wanted to see was him sort of fourth or fifth quickest home last 200. Then you still think it's a satisfactory run, but he couldn't even do that. So um, all these other forms good. Uh, I was told long ago you can always um, make sure you, you know, you, you're happy to forgive any good horse one average run. So that's probably where he's at with me. Beautiful, John. Thank you very much for that. We've got Mark on the line as well. Good morning, Mark. Good day, good day boys. How are we? Very good, mate. Uh, I don't know where Gator or Ronnie saw yesterday's meeting at Flemington and spotted dancing alone winning up the straight yesterday. It was a very good win because barrier one led, Blake Sheen controlled the speed and was too strong. But in that race, if I could just mention, there was a horse that finished third. If you get a chance to watch the replay, it's had three starts with two wins called Ray Magneria. And to give you an idea about this horse, his sectionals, he come home in 32 
14 and run 10.96 for the last 200 metres coming from last, his third start. This is a serious horse. I was watching a comment made by uh, Stablehead and Robbie Griffin, and they were offers for overseas, which they've knocked back. And to give Dancing alone like at least six length, seven length start coming from last, and the Barrett was a huge run. So I just wanted to bring up to, again to let you know a horse that I spotted during the week that you need to follow. Okay, um, I'll have another look at that. He's um, obviously he's untapped, being so lightly raced, and obviously he had those couple of wins on the board before. Um, yesterday, you know much about him, Gator? I oh, know. I was doing this thing yesterday where I was catching up with um, hum- other humans. <laughs> yeah, well, um, <laughs> not so much family. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I thought I'll throw, I throw in three days of those a year, so that was one of them um, yesterday. So, look, I haven't seen uh, much of Flemington yet, but um, I'll certainly get to it and, and take that on board. Yep. Why was that meeting on yesterday? And usually it's no, on, it's on a Wednesday. It's a traditional meeting. They moved it to a Sunday so they can have um, they had a stable open day stable. Oh, so all right. the stables at Ramwick at Flemington opened up their doors for the general public, so you can go in, you can handle the Melbourne Cup. It looked like it was an outstanding success. So, okay. um, that, and um, even Godolphin had their doors open. I know that because I was speaking to someone from there, and they basically said, "We're here, and um, you can go through and see all the horses. You know, bit controlled, but you know." gets people into a stable and gets them to see see that. Um, one thing that did come out of that, the Oaks preview should be cho- should be joined into the John Sargent because he just wins it every year. He just, just took one down there, you know, the big fella, he, big big Kiwi who loves a loves a filly, he's he's, he's done it again. He with um, Harrod Miss. Mate, um, let's uh, thank you very much for your call, Mark. Uh, let's get to just a, a quick comment here on osmosis. We did touch on before about the Everest and three-year-olds. What did you make of the heritage, Duff? Oh, look, he's a very talented horse to do what he did, sit outside a, a Waterhouse runner and put pay to them, a Waterhouse bot runner and put pay to them. It's not easy to do, and he did it with style. Um, so he, they've been talking him up, and, but he, he walked the walk. Um, exciting prospect. We'll know more after the Roman Consul when he gets uh, the, the when he, and when he gets to the twelve hundred metres there. But oh, I think I think he's a ripping horse, a celestial legend. Um, he's he's, um, he's got a huge future that horse. But he's by the same sire as militarising Dundee, so they get over a bit of ground. And he's got um, without taking the gloss off the winner, and he would be the horse I'd nearly want to take home out of that meeting yesterday. Wow. Uh, yeah, Gator, comments on the heritage? Yeah, no, they're not shy about telling you he's good. Um, and it looks as though they're right. Uh, you know, Royal Tribute was well backed off a really fast win um, at Hawkesbury, but um, put paid to that horse. And travelled so sweetly, absorbing a good, strong speed. That's a good sign. And I think just lack of experience probably stopped the horse winning by more. He's run a good time relative to the day. He went 0.1 quicker than the older horses, Tristate, um, albeit a benchmark 78, but Tristate's not a hack. Um, and that's generally a good sign for a young athlete too. He's, um, he's a horse that's um, probably going to suffer uh, because he hasn't had too many starts in, in when they talk about an Everest. Like, that's, taking on, that's going from, you know, park footy to hope origin footy but he, he he took the step up the first grade there there against the three-year-olds he's got to he's going to be very good and like a race like that Coolmore looks absolutely ready made for him but I think they'd run him if they got an Everest slot but is he just that lack of experience like like Gator just said probably didn't put him away like a, he would in that start or two's time he would really put them to the sword so 
he's a very exciting horse. Um, I have to I have to echo Darfo. I'm a big Celestial Legend fan. I spoke to Les Bridge at the beginning of the prep. He said it's going to be a light spring because he said this horse needs a little bit of time. He said his time will be the autumn, but I think he'll be going to the autumn with another win under his belt sometime during the during the next couple of next month or so. Beautiful horses to follow. Do you remember before we wrap it up? Duff, what are we, uh, what are we following? Yeah, we finished on him. Celestial Legend to uh, yeah, just be on um, spring and autumn. And uh, Mr. Waterville, uh, a little sleeping stayer going probably to Melbourne shortly. Looks a real stayer and there's something for him there. We'll go to you, Gator. Your horses to follow. Uh, yeah, I don't know why we can't stick with Espiona. She can win anything. Lions Raw was well back. Gee, it was good on Saturday. I know he hasn't won since pre-COVID or something, but uh, he was excellent. She light um, and without a fight. And Chris Roots. Um, I think the Celestial Legend was very good. Out of Baskin, geez, he, only, he, he, he found another gear over 2,400. He goes to Melbourne for the bar Cummings now and... John O'Shea, very bullish about the uh, Melbourne Cup. So um, he's a half to Rapaho and out of a staying sire. And Waterford ran the third fastest last 600 there, backs up in the Epson, 25 to 1 to good price. It should be on. All right, boys, that has been punters post-mortem. I'll give you a good 50 to 1 chance in the Epson. Palmetto, um, I think it's 50 to 1 most places. Tab's 25s, but I reckon he'll run well in the Epson. Palmetto. Okay. Palmetto. Yeah, he, I spoke to John Sargent about back him this morning. Back to, so I spoke to John Sargent about him this morning. He's looking for a jockey. So that's okay. a good sign for you. Yeah. All right. There we go, boys. Thank you very much for that. Hope you enjoyed this morning's show. Massive week of racing. Obviously, Tab Epsom Day. It'll be a big day there at Randwick on Saturday. And, of course, uh, down in Melbourne, our feature race. Well, we've got the uh, Friday night is the big one because Mornington Saturday... Uh, so we've got the Valley on Friday night where our eyes will obviously be on that uh, sprint race. So what time does it go, uh, the big race on um, Friday? Sorry. I think they're a bit earlier, aren't they, this year? An hour earlier Is it or late or... Because we've got the stock on as well. Uh, and then on Sunday we've got more racing uh, down there in Melbourne um, with Sandown. So what the, what the Sandown Stakes is a feature there, etc. And uh, Randwick on Saturday, where the weather does look good, boys. So um, obviously we've got to Sydney weather this week. A little bit of moisture around on Thursday, they're saying. But Friday and Saturday, not a cloud in the sky. 24 Saturday sunny and a minimum of 14. So if you think about getting to Royal Randwick, we're going to probably give away some tickets this uh, week as well on Racing HQ. Thanks to the ATC, so make sure you're getting along because that will be massive. Have a good week, boys.